everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Insight Podcast. Dan and I are here today to talk about something timely. It's January when we're recording this. You'll likely listen in a few weeks, but we hope to take this opportunity to talk a little bit about tech reflection, how our year starts, maybe ways to reset, pause, think about new plans, share some ideas to introduce a little tech balance or harmony into your lives. So Dan, kicking us off, do you have anything you start the year off? Any annual plans or any ideas that you do when we hit January? Really thinking about those things that I want to bring or add on to tech-wise the budget. Like, hey, do I want to reevaluate software applications and products that we're currently using and see if I want to move forward with those products? So that's a big focus in January when I'm what I'm thinking about. How about you? It's an interesting time because our calendar year, you know, we typically reset when graduation hits, right? And for the school year folks. So it's hard to have that moment of pause in January because we're still like in the middle of things. But it is important to think about, you know, how the opening of school went. So I'll I'll have meetings with my team and talk about what we did well to launch the school year. Do we need to make notes for next year to kind of just record and reflect on how things got started? But but same thing. You start looking ahead at the budget. What do we need to swap out? Are we, you know, you use the word add on and reevaluate. I love that. It's a matter of, you know, do we still need this? Is usage at the levels we want? I think all of that is a good thing to happen in January. And um, I love that, you know, statistics kind of reset a little bit. It's a good thing to start over. And, and there's different challenges too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you start thinking about cybersecurity, you start mm-hmm. looking into that avenue and it changes so much, right? That whole entire environment. This is what we're currently using, but is it meeting that whole cybersecurity need? Is Do we need to seriously reconsider this or maybe add on to this product? Those are the different things I I think of product-wise, just to make sure that uh, we're trying to be as safe and efficient here as possible. So kicking us off with our topic today really is about a tech balanced life. And we want to think about ideas we can offer for ourselves, for our teams, anybody in our environment. So this could be students, this could be staff, you know, anybody we work with. So I want to start by thinking about what is tech balance and is there another way to frame that? It's something we always think about like work-life balance, but I did a little research because I had a consultant once talk to us about harmony. And I was like, well, that's interesting. What's the difference between balance and harmony? And some of the findings that I discovered, it was, it was fascinating. It's that balance kind of sets up like an either or a scale opposition. So it's, it's very binary, which tech people I think appreciate where harmony offers multiple choices. It's more of a, this and, which is interesting. So if you think about tech harmony, it's like, how do you live your life with all of these things going on and how much time do you divide up for all these different things? So I thought that was an interesting kind of concept. Harmony is more about relationships versus that either or structure. Wow. Interesting. How do you bring harmony into your tech life? What's step one in that harmony? What I find interesting is that as a tech person, we're so built on sensors and notifications and alerts, and Mm -hmm. we all strive to be more proactive. So I think that's a good place to start, like evaluating that, like what is in your environment that is alerting you or maybe taking you away. And I think of the opposite of harmony as like something that's jarring. And a lot of our world can be jarring. We're surprised by another data breach outside of our environment that we have to, you know, now talk to our users about, or something breaks and we have to go solve that. But anything we can do to build in a little more proactive or even predictive approaches, I think can work towards that harmony. Yeah, this this business is pretty much always working with the reactive, right? And then if mm-hmm. you can bring any kind of proactive in there, it only, it streamlines the process, I think. Uh, gives you more opportunities for improvement. If you're always fixing broken glass, 
<laughs> you're mm-hmm. just going from one window to the next. You're not mm-hmm. looking through that window to see, hey, how we can improve things down the road. You're just mm-hmm. fixing, break, fix, break, fix, break, fix. But yeah, I think it's a great way of uh, introducing opportunities to tell you about a problem coming down the road. So one of the things I was thinking about with this topic is how our jobs have changed over time. And I wanted to share a quick story of something that I was challenged with. So I was meeting with a parent. This had to have been six or seven years ago. Her student was, you know, on the border of a tech addiction, you know, a kid that just really overused tech and it didn't match with their family values. And so we met at a Panera and she challenged me. She's like, what's your title? And I said, oh, I'm the chief technology officer. And she goes, I think your job should be to get rid of all tech in your district. And I just remember being flabbergasted. I'm in this public place being told that my job should be the opposite of what I do. And, you know, if you think back to that time, we were really trying to get as much tech in the hands of kids as possible and to kind of help students use tech for good. And I still think about that meeting. And now sitting here all these years later, it has shifted a little bit. I think we want to evaluate and make sure we're putting the right tech in the hands of the kids. And I think that has been a shift. I don't know if you've seen anything kind of in your space. I have absolutely seen that. Uh, I think uh, COVID and the one-to-one devices to every student basically across the United States, right? That's how students Mm -hmm. learned. It had a big social impact on their kids. And you could see that they were already getting dependent on electronic devices and cell phones, but now they're just thrust into the internet for two whole years. It definitely affected their lives. You could see it in the kids around on our campuses and in my own children, I've seen it. So there definitely needs to be some type of tech life balance where you're not allowing that to be your whole view of life is through LCD screen. So, you know, <laughs> remove your eyes from that, look out the window, step outside, get some of the vitamin D on your face from the sunlight. <laughs> I think our, our kids got a lot of paler <laughs> just, <laughs> just from, you know, lack of just moving and getting out there. That's going to be something we specifically talk about in a few minutes. We're going to share some tips with everyone of easy ways to, you know, really evaluate and take a step back from some of the tech just for either harmony, balance, or sanity, however you want, whatever word you choose, I think we're going to share some good ideas for you. One of the other things I was thinking about with this, and you brought this up earlier, is just, you know, how do we assess our tech usage and implementations? And I've, this is, again, back to that story. Like, I now am evaluating, when I look at tech in use in the classroom or on the school sites, have we added something that just increases complexity, or have we added something that is a functional improvement? And that has been a lens that I've shifted, you know, a, just to really think through, is this making things harder for our staff because it, you know, it plugs in and we think tech is supposed to be better? Or, you know, are there times where analog might be an easier way? I don't know if you've had any of those reflections as you launch new things. Definitely. It's the same thing for our teachers, our students. You can buy things and you can put them in the classroom, but there needs to be a level of understanding of how to use those devices and how not only to use them, but incorporate that into a level of that is promoting the educational experience, that it has functionality, that it can move that classroom and that teacher's view forward. It can't be a roadblock. And I think a lot of technologists, we like to flood that class with every little bit and bob that will make things work and beep and and give those notifications because that's what we're used to. But teaching is definitely an art form. And we can't take away from that art by filling the classroom with tech that's going to distract. It's important for us to keep that in mind, that it it needs to be a part of the solution and not hinder the classroom. 
I love that. I think that's one of my core values is that tech like gets out of the way of anything that mm-hmm. we're doing, that it, it supports, it facilitates, it adds on, but it isn't something that, you know, inhibits the instructional goals for the classroom. That's a great way of phrasing it. Yeah. It needs to be meaningful. It needs mm-hmm. to have an impact. That's the thing I look at all the time is uh, we can purchase things for the sake of, hey, we have X amount of dollars in the budget. Okay, so we need to buy X amount of things. But are we buying the right things? Are the kids going to get the use out of it? Is it meeting the basic requirements of the software that they're utilizing in the classroom? Like we have a video production class and... Are we looking at those specs of that software and say, hey, it's the products we're buying meeting those recommended specs. Are the students going to have the ability to utilize these devices in a way that it makes the program run more fluid and more efficient? So my New Year's resolution related to work this year is to really think about the context of the implementations and the launches and the products and taking that wider lens. Because I think sometimes I get so narrowly focused on what I see, my objectives, my goals, and the limited understanding I'm getting perhaps from the people who are requesting something new. But I've decided I want to sit in the environment. I want to see what they're using. So today, for example, I was at a school site and I was sitting in the the foyer of the office. We just installed an intercom system. And I wanted to see, now that I've launched this, I wanted to see what the use case was like. It was fascinating to see how many people come in and out of the front doors of our offices. I think I underestimated the traffic that occurs at the school site. So now I'm thinking I need to keep an eye on that latch for that front door because about 20 people came up and just yanked on it and it's locked. And so that's something I wouldn't have, would not have considered the wear and tear of the door being trying to be pried open because people aren't reading the giant use the intercom button sign. That's my big takeaway. Context matters and ensure that we really get that full picture before we launch something. Yeah. Getting feedback, right. From your users Mm -hmm. as well. Talking to your, Mm -hmm. your teachers, talking to your students. I like what you said, going out there and see it. Cause sometimes we get so busy. We don't get that opportunity. I definitely need to add that to what I'm doing, going and seeing this in seeing whatever tech I purchased, I facilitated, I got in the classroom, I got it on the network and I got to see it being used. I need to make that part of the, the entire process. That's excellent. You just gave me an idea. I'm going to add that to our project charter, visit the school site, visit the classroom, you know, to really understand the context of the challenge. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Well, we've got a couple to-do lists for ourselves. I think that's great. The next part of the episode, I really want to share, we're going to dive right into some tips. So one thing I have for everybody, if you haven't heard of the Bored and Brilliant Challenge, this was created by a podcaster and an author and reporter, uh, Manoush Zamarodi. And this came out a few years ago, and I use this with a lot of talks with families and staff members. And this is a really fun way to evaluate. This is, we're talking about relationships with our phones. And so she created this challenge and it was part of a research project where the premise was that because we are we are so connected to our devices any bit of downtime we take our phones out or other tech and we really don't have times for our mind to wander and what they've discovered is there are those moments where you have the chance to be bored actually leads to a lot of positive benefits. You are rewinding things that happened in your day. You're rehearsing a conversation you're going to have with somebody later. You're reflecting on something. You're making plans or you're just staring at the bench or the clouds and that's also good for you. And so she was wondering, you know, if with these devices, are we losing something? And her premise really is that we can become more creative when we have this time of boredom. So I want to present her seven-day challenge and you can do this in a week, like sequentially, like every single day, take one of the challenges, or you can do one challenge in a week. So I want to walk everybody through this. And if you're interested in learning more, you can just Google Bored and Brilliant. You can hear her podcast and check out the book. So on the first day, you simply just observe and track your phone habits. And you could, for example, 
we'll look at your screen time and kind of see, you know, how you use it during the day. You could see how many notifications you got, but it's really just be an observation mode. Do you find yourself picking up your phone in between meetings? Do you find yourself picking up your phone during meetings when you're bored all of a sudden from somebody saying something that you're not interested in? So it's just really observation. Day two is you don't use your device while you're in motion. And this is still a personal challenge of mine. I find myself getting up to walk to another part of the campus or a building and I'm doing something on my phone while I'm there. And I'm like, no, 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 Manoush said, put your phone down when you're walking. So I love this one. As This is a really good entry challenge to assess your habits. Day three, don't take any photos with your phone. This one feels near impossible, but so hilarious. So when I did this part of the challenge, I would take my hands out and do a fake snap of a photo and think like, okay, I have to put this in my head because it's not going to exist on my phone. So that's a really fun one uh, to try. And then day four, delete an app that you can't live without and, you know, can't in parentheses, of course, there's some that you won't get rid of, but it is an interesting challenge to wrestle with yourself of what app you think you can't live without and the deals and negotiations that will happen when you choose that app. So that's a really fun one. And then the last three, put up an away message. This one's called a fakecation. So during your day, close your office door, put it on away message, turn off notifications and just kind of be without those interruptions. And you're going to, you're going to take note of what happens. You might see something like interrupted deep thinking. You might get further along in a project than you ever thought you could have. So that's an interesting one. And then last two, day six would be observing something else. So something you would normally miss because you're on your phone. As we talked about, you know, getting out into classrooms and kind of seeing our tech in action, this could be an example of something that you would do on day six. So really getting away away from devices and notice something in the world. You may take note of how tall a tree is near your office that you never paid attention to before, or um, maybe somebody got a new car or there's something about the bus stop, like whatever that is, take note of. And then the last one is... When you find yourself at a moment of boredom in the day, try to think of a solution to a problem rather than reaching for a device, use that time to brainstorm or to troubleshoot or to push through a challenge and see what happens. So Dan, based on that, which one maybe sounds easy, which one maybe sounds terrifying to you? There's a couple. (laughs) (laughs) The the funny one is don't take any photos with your phone. Uh For me, I share my Google photos with my wife. So she automatically sees any pictures that I take. And there are so many server rack pictures and all these weird things that she has no idea what it is. And my phone, because that's how I track visually, like serial numbers and asset tags and stuff that I need to remember. That would be impossible for me because I use it all the time. And basically, my phone is my traveling computer. So limiting that in the function of day to day would be extremely difficult for me. But I could see the definite benefit of put it in the pocket, leave it in the pocket as I walk around the campus and observe what's going on. And that's a good opportunity to see, hey, how are these kids using their devices? Because uh, it's the same thing. I've When I'm walking down through a hallway or down an aisle, all the kids are looking at their phones, too. I've had to step out of their way so they don't walk directly into me. I'm a larger guy and I'm easy to walk into. So I'm dodging kids left and right. But it's the same thing for I think adults as students now too. The hardest thing is to put that thing in your pocket while you're moving. That'd be the most difficult. Love that one. Yeah. I when Pokemon Go was like a big deal. I was walking across the street from work to a pokey spot and I had it out and I was in a crosswalk and one of my student interns saw me and he texted or slacked and he's like, Are you on your phone right now? And I'm I'm like, where is this kid? 
Wow. And sure enough, he was driving by with his parents. And what a terrible example that I was in a crosswalk with my, looking down at my phone. And that cured me. That was it's that so was scary. Public, public shaming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not even paying attention. All right. A next part, we're, we're wrapping up the episode and we want to share some easy tips of ways to kind of take control or evaluate and create some space in your life, kind of that tech balance and harmony. So we have seven ideas for you to try out and see what would work for you to help make some improvements. Yeah. So the first one would be turn off nearly all notifications on your phone. That was difficult for me, uh, especially in the beginning of being uh, in this position of an IT director. I didn't want to miss anything, right? But the thing I was missing the most was sleep because the notifications would be going off all night. So I had to go in and decide, okay, which notifications are necessary so the sky doesn't fall, right? <laughs> it's just like, so I did. I trimmed down a bunch of app notifications. It, it takes time and you have to, and I think I'm all done, but then something will notify me in the middle of the night again. I'm like, oh, that's not really super necessary. That could have waited until the morning. And then I go into the, the notification settings again and disable them. So that's important and key. And it's, it's part of keeping your sanity. Love that. And if that feels too terrifying, another one is just turning off the visible notifications on your phone for an app. So for example, mm -hmm. your email, like getting rid of the number, I think is a, it makes a big difference. So when you open up your phone, your cortisol doesn't immediately spike because you have more messages than you thought you did. Of course, you're going to open your email and you're going to check that. Like you have that, you don't need that number to kind of spike the anxiety. So that's, that's a good way. That's a good middle ground piece. So on that topic, one of my students, same student who called me out for my Pokemon Go mishap, he told me that during the school week, he would change the color on his phone to monochromatic. And so then he wasn't intrigued by or drawn in by anything on his phone during the school week. And so that really helped him make better choices around keeping his phone you know, out of his hand and disengaged with it when he had other things to focus on. So I thought that was a really fun one to just to go into kind of the monochromatic mode. And you will even just to test it for an hour to see how disinteresting your phone is when it's in that mode is fascinating as a study of how addicted we are to some of this tech. Well, that's a very interesting idea. I'll have to check out, see how to do that. I'm going to look in my settings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm definitely drawn to my phone. The third item, make time to recharge away from tech. That could be like the hardest thing to do. But it's probably the thing that would, for me, make me feel like I've done something and I accomplished something that I was able to do, like to go out and go fishing, which is the hobby I love the most. I got to make time to do it. That's my time to be with myself, to think, to find my center. It's really important. I also, another idea was drawing. I love to draw. Find out how you can tap into that other side of your brain, that artistic side of it, or go hiking, something, get out there. So mine were all about going outside, going, looking, and self-reflection. Fantastic. The next one is a 2020 rule. Somebody, you may have heard this one, especially if you go to an eye doctor, but it is important every 20 minutes to look away from your screen for about 20 seconds and 20 feet away. So this is something, again, you know, if your notifications are on your phone, it pulls you away from your screen and you just look down at another screen, right? So you get that break maybe from your computer, but really important, just take a minute to stand, you know, maybe stand up, but just look away and do that for about 20 seconds and give your eyes a longer place to focus on. So that's an important one. The next one, this one is, is one of my favorites. When we talk about these topics with students and families, we talk about infinity pools and we help families and kids learn about how these apps are sometimes designed to keep you engaged and to keep you scrolling and, and to not leave the app. Like that's their deliberate purpose. 
But I always talk about how you can use tech on purpose. And so I would say that if you know TikTok or Instagram or any of those you know sites will engage you, save it for when you need it. So I was stuck in an airport over winter break. Our flight was delayed because the flight, the connecting flight had to be swapped out with a new plane. And so we were in the airport for about eight hours. So knowing that I use TikTok as a way to pass the time and I lost, you know, an hour and a half on purpose. So again, just, you want to be sure you're in control of your tech. If you notice yourself losing time, you know, maybe you don't open up that app. Maybe you set yourself a timer and give yourself like 10 minutes to kind of debrief and take a break and do it on purpose. Don't get sucked in. So that's my tip for you. Use infinity pools on purpose. That's awesome. (laughs) Be mindful of the work we email each other. Email is, is such an easy way to send information to other people. We've been using it for years, but we have to be considerate about that. I get up very early in the morning. That's just me. I'm the early bird gets the worm guy. So I'll start reading emails at 4.30 in the morning. Probably not the best time to be sending emails to folks. <laughs> be mindful of the time. Be mindful of what you're sending them. Some things should be followed up with an email, not the initial, hey, we need to start working on this because tone is very... It's internal, right? Nobody really understands or they don't understand your intent when that email comes across. Not that we would be intentionally evil or want to be mean or aggressive to somebody, but you don't know the, the place that person is in. And so emails, when you're talking about a new assignment or a new job, should probably be a follow up to something you've already discussed with a person and be a method of like confirming what you've already talked about in details. Same could be also for text messages. I know I get up early in the morning and I don't want to receive a text message late at night. And I'm sure my staff don't want to receive a text message from me early in the morning. Yeah. The schedule, like schedule send has been, you know, kind of going with that. I think that's like I do that with Slack. So my team kind of knows 8 a.m. might be a barrage of all the things I was thinking about overnight. I just want to get crafty and I'm like, send it at 8.10 or 8.15. So it seems a little bit more natural instead of the, you know, what the tool suggests um, as a sending time. But I think, you know, that's a way to help let you work at the time is best for you, but then not interrupt other people. Yeah. Great idea. I'm going to do that. <laughs> that makes sense because I don't want to drop that idea and try to remember it so, or take yeah. a note, but yeah, send it a certain time. That's a good idea. Yes. One thing I learned from one of our principals. So at our annual leadership retreats, I talk about tech organization or efficiency or new tools that teachers, the principal should know. And I ask, sometimes I reverse it and say, what are you doing that we should learn from you? Because now, you know, everybody's got this level of tech um, kind of dexterity that is amazing. And one of the principals said she uses schedule send when she sends emails to help not create excessive responsiveness. So she will answer emails immediately, but schedule it to go to the person within six hours. So it doesn't make it seem like she's always sitting at her desk and available. And I thought that was brilliant. So the kind of the opposite of, yeah, where before that would have been something, a point of pride. Like I answer my email in three minutes and I don't know if that's a point of pride anymore. That's an interesting shift that we're kind of evaluating. Okay. So I hope uh, the board and brilliant challenge gives you something to think about. I hope our ideas for inciting a little bit of tech balance or harmony, pun intended, there helps you think about ways 
to interact with your tech in positive ways as you start this new calendar year. And as always, we try to have something fun in here as a game, something you could take back to your teams or conversation with family or friends. And so I have a new game for everyone. And this is called, what would you eliminate from your environment? And this is work specific for us, but you can adapt it. What would you eliminate from your, your environment that's related to tech? And there's no fear of consequence. You don't have to replace it with something else. You don't have to worry about the world falling down because you've gotten rid of this one thing. So when I posed this to my team last Last week, one of my texts, the first thing he said was printers. He would get rid of all printers. That was amazing. One of my tectosas said she would get rid of homework. That was what she would eliminate for everyone. Dan, I don't know if you've had a chance to think on this, if there's something that you Oh, would. I already know. Oh, okay. Let's, let's hear it. What's updates. on your list? Updates. <laughs> ah. The updates. Definitely <laughs> updates. They're a constant stream of never-ending updates through every platform, every process. Yeah. So good. Uh, that's great. And giving a shout out to my site regional group who I made play this game last week. Um, some of their ideas were patch management, subscriptions, mm -hmm. cyber threats. And one person said one-to-one -one devices, which I thought was super compelling. And another person said online curriculum. And there's so much to unpack with those choices. Wow. So we're wrapping up for today. If there was something intriguing in here, if you had an idea that you wanted to try or something else that you could contribute, we'd love to hear how you adapted any of these ideas. So please let us know next time we see you. And um, thanks for a great episode. Yeah. Thanks to our site, our Insight podcast producers, Charlie Wofford and Tuda Bententu. You are greatly appreciated. Thank you. Thank you.